Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 14 of season three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And joining us again from New York City, it is Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex? It's been better, but we're, we're getting through. <laughs> getting through. Uh, I was talking to you guys earlier. I said if, if ever there was an episode where I was like, God, this is going to be tough to labor through. It was this one. Um, Wolves entered a must-win game on Sunday against uh, Leicester City and probably put up the worst performance I have ever seen from a Wolves team. And I think this is the perfect time to already sprinkle in a no stupid question. Uh, Alex, go ahead and and tell us what our, our friend Wolfman Jeff said. Yeah, Wolfman Jeff said he was coming away from that with nothing but questions, each one more stupid than the last. Has the team just checked out mentally? That's for you, Paul. <laughs> I think you could possibly run down the first 11 and say for a bunch of them that they have, or it appears that they have, that the only real positives or anyone that really came out yesterday with any credit was the guy making his second start at 21 or whatever it was at left back. Mm. So just, I, if it was the coach, you know, that's changed that there, there hasn't even really been a reaction since then. You know, there wasn't like a swashbuckling performance versus Knott's Forest, even who were bottom of the league to say, well, look what happens when we, we fire a coach, so the guy we don't really like, this is what we're able to do if the, the, the reins are off or we're allowed to uh, play the way that we want it. There's been nothing like that. And just seems we had, what was it? Eight minutes of looking mildly effective yesterday and some attacking intent. And then as soon as that goal went in, it, it's just something there that heads go down. There's no, like, there's no fight anymore. That's the most crippling thing about all of this. And I'm not harking back to the Nuno days either, but even when we went a goal down, we were never out of those games. Now, Mm -hmm. as soon as it happens, there's just no way back. There's no no real fighting spirit or anything. And that even extends, I was thinking to myself, well, we've got a a score early and we'll be okay. But then just last week against Palace, we scored early and we scored first. And that didn't make a jot of difference when they equalised. So, but like, is it leadership on the pitch? Is it is it fight? Is it coaching? It's just so difficult to really put your finger on it at the moment. It's just, it, it, it's the worst it's been in so long. Yeah, and I, I think this is what's frustrating is to me, even when they would go down, Wolves always fought, no matter what. And like you said, I, I, I even feel like they still didn't completely give up after the first goal just because uh, against Leicester, just because that was just such a, I mean, it was a beautiful goal. There was nothing you could do about it. But that second goal, that was a complete breakdown. Yeah, after that, it was it was over. Game was over. Yeah. They didn't try. Um, and I think that was the the really frustrating thing. Um it's tough to say the the pitch or the leadership on the pitch because I, I do think Neves is trying. Um, man, it seems like we are missing Cody in the worst way, though. 
But like, this that, is even to the point there, though, Josh. You say Nevis is trying. He was the only one yesterday. The yeah. midfield just got overran. You got Mutino in there. Mm-hmm. You've got Mateus, who's obviously been playing in out position. Yeah. What what does it dawn on them to look at him and thinking they need to they need to mess with his potential output by trying I don't know what they're trying to do squeeze three play three plays into two and 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 thinking that would be a fix but he's not suited in that advanced right position he's not a number ten I can't see why they can't play to the strength of these players pick them in the best positions and work around it. You, how much was he? 34 million or whatever it was. He should be starting as a number eight in a midfield two and then they figure the other parts around it. Mm-hmm. What, what If you're going to play that formation yesterday, what you needed was Neves and Mateus as that central two and then a genuine attacking midfielder like they had in James Madsen. We're mm-hmm. still crying out for that player. It's not maybe it's um i've even forgot his name he's i'm so pissed off and i'm so <laughs> hodge i don't know no on the bench 24 million pounds worth of portuguese oh, Mr. Geddes. Geddes? It could it could be him but it's just we we've got to this point where we're looking for solutions and they might not even be there it's just what what's got us into this situation well, and it, it was frustrating because I felt like going back to Tuesday's game, the first half against um, Crystal Palace was great. Scored a goal. Uh, Hugo Bueno comes in um, in the surprise start and did fantastic. Adamo's dominating. Got a he- score on a header. They honestly should have been up 2-0. I mean, um, Neves' free kick right at the end of the first half just hit off yeah. the post. Um Adama was dominating. Bubakar Traore was dominating. Hugo Bueno was dominating. Um, and then they gave up that goal quick in the second half. And then even then I was like, okay, I still feel like they're doing well. They're doing well. And then Steve Davis took out both Traore's and Matthias Nunes, um, which was appalling. <laughs> It was a ball, and then the excuses afterwards. It was like, well, Bubakar, uh, he was gassed because, um, you know, uh, he hasn't had that many minutes. That's a training problem. That's on the coaching staff. That's, I mean, if you don't have guys that are ready to go for ninety minutes, that's on the training pitch. That's fitness, you know. Yeah. Matthias, oh, he had a head knock. Well, was it affecting him? Is that what you're saying? And. Adama, they said, well, a little minor injury we didn't want to make worse. Well, what was it? We still don't know. He looked fine, you know, Sunday. I, I don't know. First half, I was like, okay, we're fine with Steve Davis all the way till, you know, after the World Cup. After that 60th minute with those three subs, I was like, we're screwed. Paul? Yeah, fully, fully agree. You c- couldn't put it any other way. Um you're asking us now if we're performances like that put us in a relegation scrap. We are firmly in the shit, you know, because <laughs> what do what do Palace go and do the the uh, the following weekend? Get drugged by Everton, mm-hmm. you know. Villa they sat their coach. Look the performance they put in. 
And it just seems to me, you know, Brentford will get onto preview in it, but they'll be licking their lips now, thinking that we're going there. They'll be thinking, oh, what best way, what better way to come off the back of a humiliated defeat away from home than having Wolves turn up at home with that that'll steer get the ship steered in the right direction. We'll we'll be going there as underdogs and it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're underdogs and, and it's it's just brutal. Um this is the first time after Sunday that I've ever thought with Wolves like we are in danger of being relegated. I mean that was in in it was just against the last place team you can't lose four nil at home. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine what it was like in that stadium on Sunday. That had to be horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I mean, good for Neves. He stuck around, claps for the fans. Stephen Collins seemed genuinely pissed after the game. Um Yeah, so I, I Collins is is trying to step up in a leadership, but I don't know I don't know what the answers are. Do you no. have any answer, Paul? No, no, I don't. Alex, you got any answer? No. Um, maybe a hire a manager before it's actually too late. Uh-huh. That would be the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Uh, what? Um, we had another stupid question from our guest from last week. Yeah. Um, Leo wants to know Leo Thomas, who who joined us uh, last week, Houston Wolves. Uh, debut on the on the show if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that you can uh, go back and listen it's happier times probably than these uh even though that seems like ages ago now um she asked where do we go from here and uh where do i stream the championship asking for a friend yeah i i don't know i don't know where we go from here um we needed seven points from the last three games and we got three and Honestly, we were a little lucky we got three. Yeah. Um, hey, Forrest beat Liverpool, so maybe that win does look a little bit better. <laughs> where where we go from here is it's obvious that we need a head coach. Mm-hmm. And they've really shot themselves in the foot now by coming out with that statement that there's no outstanding candidates available where there is candidates available. They may not have been outstanding, but they'd certainly do a better job than this current shit show showing. And that's no, again, no reflection of the caretaker stuff or anything like that, but it's, it's, it's been damaging from that point that they can't go back on that. Now they can't suddenly flip the script and say, are we going to appoint someone? Because it just it smacks of incompetence. Now, if they'd have done if they'd have done something right at the start, and now I don't, I don't care if it was a Pedro Martins type appointment or a Sean Dyche who could get a team out of this situation. If they'd have just done that within a week. And just giving them, like, dress the contract up like a 12-month rolling contract or an 18-month rolling contract that everyone could tell that they're probably a stopgap until someone becomes better. At least you're going to guarantee they're going to keep the club up. Now, mm-hmm. you got, you, you're not, you're not going to get this 
you're not going to get this current managerial team keeping them up and you run a severe risk that if we go into the World Cup break and we're going to probably be rock bottom at the time that the way this is going, A, who's going to be convinced to come? B, is there going to be any funds at Christmas uh, in, in the transfer window after Christmas? C, even if they are, is any player going to want to come and join unless it's a Newcastle situation like last year? That's the only path that I can see. Probably Newcastle were in the same boat last year until their takeover. They looked cut adrift, but I just can't see us turning it around at the moment. I think that was the difference, though, with Newcastle is you saw the new ownership come in and you're, you could see what yeah. the plan was. Yeah. Um, Wolves, I, I don't know what the plan is. And and if the players really wanted Davis as manager, they would have already stepped up. Um, it's very clear, like, he may be a nice guy. They don't want him as the manager. They would be fighting a lot harder for him. Um, and you can't remember, he's, he's had no... Nothing to do with this squad. He's yeah. not worked with them on the training pitch. It's not like you've sat the head coach at the previous backroom team stage, so the assistant gets to be caretaker and they love the assistant so that they they turn they turn up for him. Davis won't have had any contact with these players at all because he's got a totally different detached set of duties at the club. So it's just putting a guy in there that they, they probably don't even know. So you, why, why are they going to turn up and, and play for him? This is what's concerning me too. It's not just the amount of points we have. We're now on a minus 13 goal differential. Let's yeah. be honest. We're not going to be a positive goal differential this year. And that turns into a tiebreaker. Yeah, it's a on, point. On it's, relegation. Uh, it's between 17th and 16th easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, you, you were hoping for, hey, if you're going to lose, keep it one or two. This is now multiple really, really bad losses. Um, and, I mean, let's let's talk specifics here. Um, I even said it before the game on Sunday when I saw Johnny in the lineup. I said, mm, John, I like the Johnny, lineup except for that. Johnny's Johnny gonna... doesn't need to get near the starting eleven for a long time after the last few performances and especially this one this week. I mean, that second goal was on him. It was He's gone hideous. from, uh, Johnny's gone from being Mr. Consistent to Mr. Consistently shit. So. It, well, and, it's age uh, and injuries. Well, I mean, probably, yeah, but yeah. He, even he, it's, I, I'm no expert on body language, but it just looked like he, his shoulders are shrugged. He's kind of got that demeanor. There's no like puffed out chest or anything that we used to mm-hmm. from the the old Johnny that he'd be one that would go in for a battle. It just seems like head down and bobbing around and you get some type of trap back or uh, attempted tackle, but one misplaced pass and it's like, oh, away we go again. And I don't know, that that just seems seems to be the norm at the moment that that seemed to be the norm under large and that was painted out to be that it was a, a training ground bust up and he didn't like playing for him and it was a he was buddies with Raul and that was how that all kicked off but 
hey, if that's the case, he's gone and it's still the same. So what gives? Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> people are now commenting that, oh, well, we shouldn't have gone to a back four. I still think the back four was the way to go, but Semedo's played in a back four at Barcelona. It's not like that's a new position for him. And I mean, his last game wasn't his best by any means, but why is he just constantly on the bench, Paul? I, I don't understand what he's done to end up there. No, neither do I. It seems that out of the two, he's certainly the better suited to right back because even when you put Johnny over there, I can't really think of many standout games that he's had as right back, definitely compared to when he plays left back <clears throat> or uh, left wing back. So Semedo would be it'd be a starter for me just because he's the best in that position. But then what does that tell you about the depth that there's no one to really challenge him for his place then as well? So that stinks of setting up the squad unevenly or certainly unbalanced. And I think uh, as well, we're talking about, you know, kind of getting older, legs not as strong. Um, Bubakar Traore has to start over Moutinho. Moutinho has been awesome. He's had a great career. Bubakar Traore was really good in that first half against Crystal Palace. Really, really good. Really was making a difference. Um, and that game changed when he came out and we were getting run over in the midfield, like you said, against yeah, Leicester. Even then, though, I still think you you run the risk of trying to squeeze too many players who are similar into the middle of the park where mm -hmm. if you had just two that you could rely on, it, it opens you up that way to make the most of that additional attacker. Now, that additional attacker could even come in as another dedicated winger. So you've got Troyer on the right and a winger on the left, and that gives you two forwards up front. One that perhaps could play detached off the nine, be it Wang or be it uh, Geddes, and it's either Pedence or Wang as the left winger. So you've got some more balance there and you're making the most of that extra body because to me yesterday and at times against Palace, there were just too many anonymous performances. There were, there were flashes from those players, but there's been nothing to suggest that creating that extra body in the final third has done us any good whatsoever because when two or three of them go missing for large chunks of the game and then they're, they're anonymous and they don't put their stamp on it, then it's like you're playing with the man down. And mm -hmm. if they have a bad game, if Moutinho has a bad game, that spare, the spare, supposedly spare midfielder, Mateus didn't do anything yesterday, then performances like that are going to happen and until they fix that we could be moving these different parts around all we want it's not going to fix anything um scott sellers has definitely become even more under fire even so much that the fans were singing about him uh, paul can anybody actually clarify his role i don't think they can and that's probably part of the problem where 
Is he culpable in all of this? Probably. But is he just instructing... Is he just taking instructions from, from the powers that be that are above him? Probably again. So is he just that yes man that, that they want that's going to toe the party line? Potentially. But then... It, it's it, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, we, we don't know enough about him or enough about his remit. In theory, he could be the best technical director, the best, the best um, director of football in the world, but I don't think we'll see it because of the structure that exists around him and immediately above him because... It, it doesn't appear to me that um, Jeff Shee is going to come up with a name like Michael Beale himself. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's obviously a recommendation that's come from somewhere. And it's probably going to come from Scott Sellers if, if he's that fundamental in, his, in the role, which in theory is good that if he's got his fingers on the pulse. You know, he knows what's happening in football in circles, uh, especially domestically. That's the type of player that, that not player coach that should be identified as, as a possible evolution uh, of what they're looking for that's away from the Mendes stable and could bring a completely fresh outlook and, and what this squad ultimately needs. It seems to me that if he's been presented with uh, Bill as an opportunity or he can wait around for a few weeks or a few months. Jeff Shee is just going to do what he always does and pander to the guest of food way and just wait for the next best possibly coach to, to come off that carousel. And obviously that is a strategy that has served us pretty well so far. But there's no guarantees that that's going to work. There's no guarantees even that he's going to become available. It just gets, seems to me that Jeff Shee's protecting his ass by backing the guest of food and George Mendes horse, where that, that's only going to take you so far. It really needs someone at this club to grab it by the bollocks and say, you know, the, we're we're the dog that wags the tail. The guest of you <laughs> tail doesn't wag this dog. We're going to use you. You're not going to use us. It, it's got to come down to that because it, that there's only it only goes so far. Yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in with a uh, no stupid question from Steve Young, who who touches on the hierarchy that you're you know discussing right now, Paul. Steve says, uh, just finished up the Romain Sice interview with Talking Wolves. Uh, are Wolves the only club without a sporting director, as Roman alluded to? And is it going to take us going winless into the World Cup for Fosin to add another football mind to the hierarchy? What do you think of that? I, I tell you that it's so telling that you've got a um, you've got a player coming out and saying that who's who's been in there and who's lived mm-hmm. it and who's obviously they they talk about it they they must hear off players from other clubs about how things go in their circles. Like Sice was pretty damning that again, I think he got late, like mainly labeled towards sellers 
uh, and she about the contract negotiation. It came down to that and lies being told or not being told really what the what the truth was, too many excuses. And again, you know, sellers might be perfectly fine when it comes to identifying talent and being a technical specialist. But if it's left to him to conduct these contract extensions, then how do we know that he's the best qualified to do it? I certainly wouldn't trust Jeff Shee to do it. And what really got to me was that it it seemed like he wanted to stay, that Large wanted him to stay at the time. So someone then took both of that input and said, no, you're okay. We're going to go in another direction. We're going to do something else. And it, it gets me that, you know, wouldn't it have been better to have kept a seasoned pro with some leadership skills who's captain of his country who can play in a back four at 32, give him a two-year contract rather than going to chase uh, Dawson from West Ham right at the end of the transfer window and ultimately fail and, and leave yourself exposed for when you're two very young and inexperienced centre-backs have a shocker of a game and probably one or both of them could be rested for the next one to bring that seasoned head in to get that stability. That's what gets me in the light. Like hindsight's a wonderful thing, but this is what's really getting illuminated to me. And even to the extent, I don't think he said it explicitly, but he did touch upon some of the summer signings. And I got the impression that Sice was saying some of those may have just been given to him rather than having direct input. And there you think... I agree with that, yeah. Well, if you've got Geddes at 24 million, 26, whatever it was, sat on the bench, you know, was he just come here to be be placed in here, you know, just just to fit the carousel, fit the narrative of, of Mendes and where he wants to place these players. So that's what stood out for me. And... I think if if you're listening to it now, listeners, listening to this and, and you haven't done that, I definitely recommend you go and give this size interview a listen and also the John Ruddy one a listen. And I'll tell you what, props to Chuck Talking Walls for getting these types of exclusives, you know, because they've been a lot more revealing than what some of the local press that are doing this for a living have been able to extract from anyone. So. Fair play to those lads for uh, getting this level of detail. It's fantastic for us to uh, have a listen and get get some answers on this. Yeah, especially to have interviews like that, knowing that Jeff She does listen to their stuff. That's that's we know that that's been confirmed, and for them to um, really have the balance in their coverage to do that, uh, I agree. That was that's good for them. Um, is Jeff She speaking to him? Should he be in trouble now? I hope so. You know, um, from my limited understanding of Chinese geopolitical situations and <laughs> business ethics and culture, they don't like to lose face and they won't want to see their prized 
asset on the EPL stage being rock bottom and made to look like a shit show and have the discontent that that's um, coming from the stands. So, it, but then that pisses me off to another extent that it just shows to me that they don't know what they're doing if they're just dropping these executives in in fundamental roles who've got no footballing knowledge, no prior experience. If they are that invested in establishing a Premier League club, increasing its value, even if it is to sell it, they've got to invest. And that's not only in the playing staff, that's in the management and that's in the executives. They need the best of the best from who's running that whole operation on a day-to-day level. If that's Jeff She, whoever needs to be in that position needs to be the best that they can possibly get. And that goes all the way down. That definitely goes to a director of football. That definitely goes to Scott Sellers' position. That definitely goes to the the head of uh, the first team coaching staff, you know? So I, I, I can't see him coming through this. And I just hope that it's understood that it's got to be a, it's got to be a change, but it's got to be the right one. I'm going to call it right now. If Wolves did get relegated, Fosin's selling. They're not going to go through that again to try and, you know, spend the money or whatever to move back up into the championship. It won't be worth it to them. They won't be getting a return on their investment. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if there's rumors about them selling during the World Cup break if Wolves are in relegation position because they may try and jump out now while there's probably the most value unless they want to say, well, let's see, they'll get relegated. We can sell off guys like Neves and stuff, take that money and then bail. I don't know. Paul, what do you think of that? I think it, it will. I don't think so myself just because they, they will have those assets available to to sell so the there's the element there that the club um you know they're going to try and extract as much as that as possible they have got parachute payments potentially for a little while i could see it happening but i don't see it as immediate as as you highlight because it's it's not often that you get something happen so quick i think probably the um the only recent example of something that happened in a relatively quick turnaround was Chelsea being Chelsea. their hand forced to to get rid of Abramovich and save the club and 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 sell it on on those and on that basis. But you, you're talking chalk and cheese in terms of appeal of a Chelsea versus appeal <laughs> of a, a bottom of the league yeah. Premier League team facing relegation or ultimately one that goes down. It's it's not a uh, it's uh it's a little different stratosphere i'm afraid um I, I see i'm still kind of torn on whether or not to completely blame jeff she for what the situation is right now i think in the summer yes i i could definitely put that on him but man fosen did invest the money that last month of the transfer window they did. Uh, did they? Did they? Did they mess the decision up then? 
in terms of not firing large, which if you're that cutthroat, if there is all these rumorings that they weren't happy and it was a downward spiral from the, the, the last third of the season, which it obviously was, they they should have been more ruthless at that point. But again, does it go back to the fact that little Jeff was waiting for his mate uh, Lopetegui to come available and when Sevilla stuck with him, all of a sudden was, well, oh, well, what are we going to do? We've got no plan B, so let's just plod on accordingly, stick these players in and see what happens. And look what happens. It's a shit show and they've gone and tried to do it again and they still can't do it. So... What does that tell you? That tells you that the strategy is flawed. And who does the strategy for, strategy fall on? It's Jeff Shee. Who would you want as the manager right now, Paul? If we had to pick one name, I'm on the I'm on the Dice. I'm in Camp Dice, and again, that's what I wish they would have done right from the outset. They they should have had a clearer idea of the lay of the land in terms of availability or who's potentially available and and made a call that way. I'd I'd have picked up that phone to someone like Daesh and said, you've got that, you've got that skill set to, to keep a club up and potentially do, do okay. You know, we'll give you an 18 month contract. And if it goes better, then there's the option there to extend it or a year with an option, however it would be, it would have, cut down on on all this bollocks all all of this stuff coming out in the press um it would have showed decisiveness which has been totally missing um and i could probably go deeper into the, the different candidates who are out there and giving them a case for for each of them but it gives me the case uh, example again back to newcastle of eddie howe that everyone was quite dismissive of him when when Newcastle signed him, I think even we've mentioned it, that that seemed exactly what it was designed to do was to get a a coach who could keep a team up and then mm-hmm. anything else was a bonus. And shit, it's certainly been a bonus for them the start of this season. So uh, that's... And that is our goal right now, right, Paul? Yeah, it's not. We're not thinking Europe. We're not thinking top ten. We are the the goal of the season now for the rest of the year has been has become stay up. Yes, again, yeah. bandwagon is listening. Who's just jumped on the the EPL Express in the past four years? This was what it was like in the Mick McCarthy years and that Dave Jones promotion after the, after the playoffs. That we were just scrambling for that win. We were just looking for those forty points. We knew we were in a we were knew we were in a relegation battle as soon as the season started. It's all come back round again, and that's why fans like me we can't get overly excited because it's not that we knew that it was something like this was going to happen, but you've just got that experience to know that you you shouldn't be um, you shouldn't be that jovial about things and. There's that on one hand, and there's the other example that every team pretty much established, really apart from the top six, they've all had some type of relegation battle at at one point. Everton were down there last year. West Ham have have been kicking around there in previous seasons, doing well one season, then struggling the next. Well, look at Leicester. 
I mean, Leicester being down there. Yeah, Leicester being down there, you know. So it's it's not unrealistic for a a, a team like us that's not established in the EPL, even to the extent of the likes of Crystal Palace, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be assumed that 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 you're always going to stay up each season. But we've we've had it so good that even before the the kickoff of this season, was there a chance? Well, well maybe, but a little one and less than the season before because you just had. Hundred million chucked at a team who who looked pretty good when they put it together. So, um, it, it, it's something you always have at the back of your mind, but didn't expect it like this. If Fosun's not wavering, like Josh said, sorry, just wanted to just no, throw yeah, one thing out there. Um, if it, and if they were going to make a real statement of intent, and if they would do something for once that shows some foresight, <laughs> right? That shows like, hey we have kind of an idea of what we're doing here and we can turn this super negative into a positive. Just make a, pay the release clause for Ruben Amarim over the World Cup break after Sporting gets knocked out of the Champions League on Wednesday. His release clause has been significantly lowered. Like, there were rumors of him going to Villa. That that would have been just a dagger to the heart of anybody who oh, wanted yeah. him at yeah. Wolverhampton. Like, yeah. if you really want to be serious about this and you're, and you're honestly, you're, you're, for, you know, the only thing you care about, forget esports and all those other things, is keeping this team up and actually building on this roster that you you've accumulated by spending a hundred million. Just pay the guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Just pay him and let him come in and 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 give him two weeks over the World Cup break to get acclimated with a lot of players he's already acclimated with, but further acclimated, and and try to build something. It's it's. I would say that that I, I think I hope that they think this is a unique opportunity that this is a season that's basically two seasons. And the first season is a total wash. It was a loss. Um, so may, I don't know. I, I'm on team dice for sure. Uh, I'm definitely with you on that. Yeah. They've got to make a statement now to really salvage anything like that. And there's not many statements out there apart from the likes of Amarin, if he really wants to come and they could probably backtrack on what they said by coming out and putting a spin on it that oh we did interview all of the outstanding like the available candidates none of them were outstanding but we approached sporting and they wouldn't release him so we thought about it again we've gone in and we've just paid the release clause to get him that they could put a spin on on that type Mm -hmm. of appointment from this one if they make a splash and put their money where their mouth is yeah I, i i think back to jurassic park the very first one when uh, Nedry is having uh, the lunch with uh, Dodgson and he's getting the money and the, you know, the shaving cream can to steal the embryos and the check comes and he looks at Dodgson and he says, don't get cheap on me. That's <laughs> what we need. Somebody needs to tell Jeff C. Don't get cheap now. Don't get cheap. Spend the money. And it's one thing to spend it when it was what was it thirty million? I think back when they originally fired Lodge, mm-hmm. um, which I think the Telegraph reported yesterday that it's been reduced to ten million. That's like a Bobacar Triore and a half. Yeah. Like, yeah. like just, <laughs> just, just pay the man. That's a third of Gonzalo Geddes who's giving you nothing. Uh. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs>
right, guys, so we're going to look ahead to Saturday's matchup, which is against Brentford, who just got annihilated by Aston Villa. Um, the game will be at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, Paul. Um, I said last week, I said Sunday against Leicester was a must win. Is this a must, must win? That they are now, and you could say that there's no, there's no six-pointers in... Uh... In October, there's not, but there's a certain little thing called momentum, you know, and the only momentum we're enjoying at the moment is a distinct downwards one. And that's got the unfortunate element to it is there's only so far down you can go until you hit rock bottom. And then it's not about going any further. It's getting detached from what's above you. So the rot's got to stop somehow. Unfortunately, I can't see any way that that's going to happen. What about the lineup? I mean, what do, what do we do there? <laughs> Again, just... it's just like there's that there's there's no way to look at it and really think there's there's a guaranteed solution or there's a guaranteed player that could come in that, that could offer that spark or anything like that. Uh, unless you start messing around with, with formations and setup, um, I think it's a struggle, even to the extent that it, it's probably a case that one of those centre-backs could, could probably do with a, a break out the firing line and get their form back or whatever. We can't really do that because you shop, you just swap in one young one youngster for another one if it's only Toti or Muscare on the bench rather than that veteran that ideally you need to come in in, in these types of situations. Um, if I was in that situation, I'd just, I'd see who my best 11 is and just play them in their natural fucking positions, you know. <laughs> I, I'd go, I'd go 4-4-2, um, because even with Costa, you know, he's he's proven to be that number nine that we wanted to bring on for the last 20 minutes when we chased the game or looking to hold on to a lead. Not the striker that you want starting week in and week out, back-to-back games and Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, a Wednesday, a Sunday. He should be coming off the bench and doing his damage that way. So. Yeah, old school four four two, two up front. Just, just, oh, just do Who something. Who would you put up front though? Um, it doesn't really matter, does it? They're all fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be kids earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I really like my. Sorry, Bob, if you're listening as well. I really like my tactic tactical breakdown and. <laughs> Insightful analysis, but I just, I just want some. I just want someone to 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 give a fuck, quite frankly, and and to run their run their testicles off. I was going to say bollocks then, but I won't. And and just play for the shirt. And and if it's Wang, I don't care if you shit. Just chase the chase the opposition defenders down, put them under pressure. Even if it's Wang and Geddes, let's just see how that works. One drops deep, one has a free roll. Put two guys up there that the, that the ball can stick. If it's not Wang up front, just stick him down the left-hand side and 
trying to work their fallback because we we know at the moment we can get it from Troyer on the right, but I'm not sure what Pedence is like as a left winger. So who knows? But that had been me because I just want to get the best out of our a central midfield, which should be one of the best in the whole league, let it alone should. the bottom three team of Neves as a six and Mateus as an eight. They should dominate. Play play to their strengths. I'd almost wonder Costa and Adama as the two up front. Possibly. I that the, there's always that argument to Troyore is, is is can he pick the ball up in those particular spaces and do the damage compared to what he can if he's if he's starting from deeper. So it's it's not like he's the type of striker that that plays off the last man, and there's a ball over the top that he can run onto. Um, so so there's that element. I, I'm just a little worried. Trior is a forward that it, it's just swapping a Pedence out as a false nine for for a Trior, and you, you're going to get a similar similar return in that he'll he'll drop into that central area. He'll probably drop a little deeper to try and pick the ball up and do damage. Yet he'll get swarmed by two defenders in a midfielder. He'll cough the ball up because of that pressure and it'll just re- pressure back on us defensively where if there's two players to, to cause more trouble as genuine attackers, then we, we've got to have the ball stick up front more. We, we're not. There's no one really playing with their back to goal and bringing anyone into play. There's there's no one that can really run down a defense or put the pressure on them. And what what gets me is I know it's like house in days or everything, but when Diogo Jota was in top form, he must have been an absolute asshole to play against. What what he did in terms of terrorizing defenders, mm-hmm. and that's what we're missing. You could you could drop a ball over to him, and he'd be on it. He, even he could hold the ball up, you know. It, and it's it's just that that we're missing. We must be so easy to play against at the moment. It's unreal. There's no tenacity at all. Yeah, I don't know lineup wise what to do. I mean, I do know. Johnny can't be in it. Motinho can't be in it. Um, I think Bueno has definitely done enough that he deserves to be in it. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the solutions are. At least Brentford's kind of in a crappy form as well, like we are. So maybe that might be that might be helpful. I don't know. I don't know. But it's on the road again. It's in Brentford, so who knows? Is a drone going to come and save us this time? <laughs> Maybe it could. Lie. Alex, we're. I feel like we're letting you off the hook. What? What? What do you do? What if you're FIFA manager, Alex? What do you do here? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask. Actually, I was skating by, um, <laughs> not having to provide solutions. Um, I do like Paul's idea of. A four four two. If we're gonna bench Moutinho, why not just just go for it and try to play your best 
best 11. I, I, I question whether or not Geddes is in that 11, but I do like the idea of him a little bit more central because I, I honestly just don't think he's shown anything to make you believe he's a good Premier League winger. Um, and also, I never want to see him tracking back defending again after his complete <laughs> no-show um, in that first half, which caused him to get benched. So maybe you take some of that off of his plate if you play him centrally with I mean, yeah, I think Huang deserves a chance to come back again. I mean, it can't be worse um, than it was. I love the idea of playing Matthias in his actual position instead of, um, you know, further up the pitch, less involved in the build-up play, which is taking away arguably his greatest strength. And yeah, as long as I'm with you, Josh, no Johnny. So I think Semedo has to come back in. I think Bueno mm-hmm. has to stay. Um and in the midfield, if you're going to play three, you have to play Bobakar Traore. But yeah. maybe they go for more of that like 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2 look, in which case I think you, you bring Geddes back into the team. But who knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Just score a goal by accident. Just somehow, some way. Does Ra- Raul must have the longest lingering groin injury known to man. Like I, I, the only possible solution I can think for it taking this long is it ripped off the bone. Right, he seemed pretty mobile in those um, picks from the Mexican national team when he's in his training gear on the the running machine. So it can't be all that bad. Whether that's yeah. just a gradual fitness reintroduction, so that he's uh, he's ready to go in six weeks, it's looking more likely than than. Uh, that's what the that rehabilitation's been geared towards more than anything in the short term for the Wolves' benefit. Bonus no stupid question for Josh, because mm-hmm. he's been big on the marketing um, you know, mm-hmm. dollars that come in with Raul. Is he a, a part of Wolverhampton Wanderers on February first? Yes. Cause they're not gonna get they're not going to get enough money in an offer from somebody to offset the amount that they would lose. Raul mm. is still very popular. Yeah. I just very can't popular. tell if he, and if he get, here. here. Here's the thing, too. If he's back from Mexico in the World Cup and he does well enough for them to get out of gr- group stage, they're not getting rid of him. They're not getting, oh, you know. What happens Unless if he, retires? he does good enough that it increases his value, then maybe. But that could actually be a really good indicator, him and Neves, in the January transfer window as to what Fosun's thinking. What happens if he retires and the World Cup was just his one song? No way. No way. If he, it, it, he'll, He's going to finish in the MLS, 100%. He just gives 100%. me the impression he just doesn't want to be here. But and I say that because he's not. Like I just yeah. I don't understand like what like I also I you know, I can't even be mad at him if that's the case. It's like if my boss came to me and they're like, Alex, you just want to like go on vacation and try to, you know, kind of like halfway do your job for a little while. You don't need to be here physically. I mean, that's like <laughs> what everybody did during the pandemic with remote work, right? But like <laughs> you're a Premier League club. <laughs> Like I'm mad at them for giving him the option to just be like, just go get ready for the world cup and we'll figure it out. We got plenty of strikers. Oh, wait, Paul, we'll actually be able to attend Raul's last game. 
because it's going to be here in Houston. Mark it down. Do you think? I am very convinced. Him and Hector are super good friends. Now, I thought it would be after Wolves' contract, but look, he can make boo-coodles of money coming here, coming to the U.S. Somebody's going to pay him. Maybe not Houston. I still think Houston will um, because they're not dummies. Um, And like I said, he's still really popular here. So... Yeah, I stay. I say he stays, but if he's gone and Neves is gone, then Fosun's looking to cut bait and sell in the summer because they don't want to deal with a championship trying to get him back up. And somebody asked me after that. It was actually, uh, um, golly, I can't even remember. Yeah, somebody asked me, like, well, who would buy it? I said, oh, there's plenty of buyers out there. Some spunky U.S. person would buy it. Maybe we'll... Uh, uh, start a GoFundMe for a whole lot of wolves takeover. <laughs> Who's with us? Um, so looking at predictions, let's look at the prediction standings, shall we? Um, nobody got points for Wolves versus Leicester City because three of us said they were going to win. Paul actually had a draw, but not so much. Uh, Crystal Palace, both Alex and I got a point because we did predict Palace. I hate being right. So the standings right now are Alex has 13 points. Myself and our guest spot has 11 points. And Paul, uh, you are in a relegation battle with five. Yep. (laughs) So let's look at at Brighton. Alex, what is your prediction? Uh... Pain. Endless pain. pain. Um, two, one. And I think that's being generous, but to, to Brentford. Um, Oof. Like I said, Oof. I, I watch a lot of bad Premier League games for no reason. Teams score by accident. It has to happen for us at some point. Um, but I think Ivan Tony gets a oh, couple goals at him. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awful when Wolves could have had him? <laughs> Yes, very often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul, I'm judging by both of our attitudes tonight. This is not going to be nice. <laughs> so I, I did put that memory firmly in, in the back of my mind, but thanks to Alex, I remembered about the type of striker that we just love playing against. So uh, the one you can put on record is... Brentford 2, Wolves nil, But listeners, we have been guaranteed a victory. And that is from our friend and regular podcast guest, Justin Busnado. Because Justin, Justin says that he will be in England next week and he's that lucky that he guarantees three points if he can actually get to the game. So he's looking to get a ticket to actually go and watch live uh, when they are at Brentford. So if any of you in the UK are listening and come across uh, ticket availability uh, at the last minute, there is a ready, willing um, guest from the United States who may actually give you what the the, the ticket is worth uh, rather than just... uh, have it given for free if no one wants to go and watch them. So 
uh, Justin is is regular. We'll we'll tweet this out as well. He's a regular on Twitter. So uh, if you do hear anything available for Justin, I know he would firmly appreciate it. Absolutely, Justin's Justin's one of our favorites. So uh, so with that in mind, Paul, what's your prediction? Oh, I'm still going two nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know Justin's guaranteeing a victory, but um, he's a big Yankees fan. And that didn't work out so hot. And, uh, you know, Paul and I go Astros. So he's wearing his Astros shirt now. By the way, I have to I have to brag on my wife. She's incredible. She went down to the Astros team store, Paul, when I was out of town this past weekend and bought me a brand new Jordan Alvarez Space City jersey. Ah, just did time for him to get hot for the, the, the World, World Series. Series. Yeah. Uh, so knowing Justin's going to be there, I'm going to say four nil Brentford. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll, then we'll get him on because doesn't he always come on after we've played terribly and lost. So, yeah, yeah. It's like him or Alex winner. They always come on after horrible games. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. It's just, uh, you know, that's what the Yankees went out for nil. So, um, maybe that, maybe this will help that we're all picking against them. Maybe now they'll come out and pull off a, a stunning, beautiful uh, nil-nil draw. Because <laughs> I don't think they're scoring anyways. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's end this show on, on a fun note, Alex. Let's, let's do some more No Stupid Questions. All right. Uh, let's start with the Wolves Women's Podcast. Uh, who tweets at us? With Wolves women in League Cup action against Brighouse on Sunday and have the draw for the Vitality WFA Cup today, Shrewsbury away on the 13th of November. Are you up for the cup? Got to be up for some cup. I certainly am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been playing great. I thought I thought I saw Leah Thomas on uh, Twitter, too. She said, um, uh, you know, some of these w- women are, are playing harder than the men right now. Increase the uh, brand value. So maybe Fosin will sell. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, all right. This is, a, this is a great one. Todd asks, if the Wolves squad were to play a game of hide and seek, which player would be the last to be found and who would be first? And I did ask for clarification on this. I said, "Are they? Do they have to be in the lineup now or they can they be people that are injured? And he said, it, we can't include injured players. So, Paul, I will let you go first on this because I have I have my thoughts. I've got the best one. I've got the best one to be found last. Okay. It's a kind of stretch for being on the squad or being injured, but have you seen him? Because I haven't seen him. Ladies and gentlemen, Leo Bonatini. <laughs> the man has completely vanished. Love it. Uh, Who gets down first? I, it's got to be Kalajdic because it's just too big. Even that the, the trick that, that you, you pretend that you're hiding in the bed and you, you mess up the sheets and everything to pretend that the bed hasn't been made and you try and stop them being any uh, bump showed. He, he's even too big. His legs would stick out the bed, so he'd easily be found first. <laughs> Um, so as far as, um, being hidden, 
and not being being found last, I'm going to go with uh, Geddes because he certainly disappears quite regularly. So I will go uh, Giancarlo Geddes. And being found first, um, you may be surprised about this. I am going to say the person that will be found first would be Potence because I think he would do something completely silly and unnecessary, like trying to be all fancy while he's playing hide-and-seek, like, and would end up falling down and getting found that way. It would be I, like his little back heels. What would be the back heel equivalent of hide-and-seek, Paul? Um, <laughs> it would be climbing into the toy chest because it's small enough, but then leaving it open just a little <laughs> yeah. so it, it was obvious where he's gone yeah yeah he, he's a he's a guy who would overthink it for sure um yeah i'm i'm gonna who would, say who would you do alex yeah i'm gonna say the first to be found uh would be adama because there would be stains of actual oil <laughs> that you can follow like a trace almost like blood dripping uh down his arm so we just look for whatever's oil stained and wet and you can probably find him squeezed in there but he can get into tight spaces though because he's already <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> um and uh f- last i'm gonna say raul because we literally don't know where he is he's out of the country i just i i have no idea like who he's rehabbing with or anything so he he could be anywhere um he's like uh yeah, I don't know. I, I forgot. Carmen San Diego, that's the name I was looking for. <laughs> that's that's my new nickname for uh, for Raul. Um, so that's who I would go with. <laughs> Where in the world is Raul Jimenez? I like it. Um, all right. Uh, final no stupid question. Paul asks, what is one feature from a different sporting code or football league that you would like to see implemented in the Premier League? Can be at any level, management, team, league, etc.? I'll go on this one first. Um, It won't be... Yeah, it is a different feature. If they're going to keep the the cluster that is VAR, and obviously they are, then what I'd like to see or hear would be actually what the fuck they're talking about, just to give it some transparency of what these idiots are seeing or not so it's clear for everyone watching on TV or in the crowd exactly like how it works in rugby cricket and the like so you actually have an idea of what's going on and these professionals i was going to say a bad word then but i've said enough already these motherfuckers can actually do the job they're supposed to do as professionals so i i got this one from um i had my a few family members that don't watch soccer at all and I was really trying to get him in. And of course, you know, Sunday, I'm like, you should watch this game with me. You'll really enjoy it. And yeah, that didn't work. So thanks, Bulls, for that. However, um, he was bringing up how he doesn't like draws. And he brought up how in hockey, there used to be a ton of draws. And then what they ended up doing is they still played a little bit. They they created a smaller overtime thing. But they take one person off of the ice Okay, and then if you do win, but it's in overtime, then you only get two points instead of the full three points for winning. So that would be mine. Pull one or two players off of the pitch and play an extra, say, 20, 30 minutes, uh, golden goal, 
And if you win, you get two points instead of, instead of three. But that way, there's a little less draws, a little more excitement really opens the game up. Uh, Paul is sitting there, like, probably having an aneurysm right now um, as, as an old school English guy. But I, I kind of, you know, that wasn't the worst idea that I had heard. All I am going to say is that that all sounds exceptionally American. It is. 100%. 100% American. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one, though, I got to say. And I'm obviously, I'm just going to agree with you as an American. <laughs> like every few minutes, you take somebody out. It, it gets down to like five a side. Uh-huh. <laughs> On the full length of the field. I guess that wouldn't even be possible. Um <laughs> My feature... Can you imagine Adama playing? I'm like, that would be his specialist job, would just be overtime. Adama with, like, five people, that's it. Oh, yeah. Um, that would be great. This is kind of a tough one, because technically there's nothing preventing trades from happening, right? Like, I love the trade deadline in the NBA, mm-hmm. like, player-for-player player trades. That's not really, like, something that it can't really be achieved. Um, I'm going to say... While in most sports, I think it's just a total, um, you know, exercise in what? I don't know. It's just like putting on an event. It's basically just a money grab. Um, there's something about a Premier League all-star game that seems like. Oh, you're cool. sounding like the Chelsea owner. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually for that. You know, it's not a sport that's one, like the injury risk isn't like what it is in the NFL, which is doing away with the Pro Bowl. And two, like, it's kind of easy to just turn up and start playing with guys, kind of like basketball is, you know? It's that you don't really have to know your teammates that well. Um, I'm not saying it should be in the U.S., but somewhere, um, some, you know, like somewhere in the, in the year, um, just, just give us something. But also put in some rules about how many players are allowed from certain teams. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You'd have to have something like Major League Baseball where each team was had to be represented. Um, that would get huge ratings. Yeah. Not going to lie. That would get probably, I guarantee you, NBC would be all for it because that would be probably one of their best rated matches. Especially if you made it one of the afternoon games. Um Shoot, here, here, you want you want to be super smart about this and appeal to a new audience? You put an all-star game the Sunday after the Super Bowl um, in the afternoon in the U.S. That yeah. would draw huge numbers. Absolutely huge numbers. There we go. You're welcome, NBC. <laughs> Get it done. Hey, we did miss one stupid question from last week because I think it came in after the deadline. But uh, Tony uh, Manably from Twitter, he asked, would you rather fight 43-year-olds or three 40-year-olds? Discuss, Paul. Um, <laughs> 43-year-olds or three 40-year-olds? Um... <laughs> I'm thinking a little like a Dharma that I could be like a Dharma and trying to get around all the three-year-olds multiplied by four. So, yeah, I'm going for that one. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought too because I think the little kids, they're going to get a little bored with... It's not like they're going to come at you like guns of blade. They're going to be like, ah, 
<laughs> and so if you could survive the initial swarm and like take out a few of them, um, I think you could survive. So I will say uh, I would much rather face the 43-year-olds. Survive the initial swarm. I love that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what every team is doing against wolves. Just let them let them peter themselves out at, for 15 minutes at the beginning. Maybe they create one chance, and then uh, then we survive. It worked for Rocky in Apollo in Rocky Three against Apollo Creed. Just yeah. let Apollo punch himself out and then win. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> and in Paul's case, I don't care how many three year olds you have. Uh, they, they they could climb each other's shoulders. They're not they're not getting like a shot to the face. So I, that's an easy decision for you right there. That'd be in quite easy reach of a good kick as well. So <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I would take the forty three year olds for sure, as long as I'm guaranteed not to catch any charges and go to jail. This is obviously a, <laughs> in some weird you know uh, dystopian world, but um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you could you could take those guys out forty. 3 40 year olds no matter how that could be they dangerous are, man you, you yeah. can you can really get busted up i think so yep yep speaking of paul's height uh i i did need to share this story from text fest my korean mother-in-law uh we brought her and she was facing the other way and we 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 tapped on her shoulder we said oh sakcha uh here meet paul and she turned around and paul was like right behind her and she like looked terrified and stumbled back and nearly <laughs> fell over a table because he was so tall. I was like, it's not like he's Frankenstein's monster here. Like he's just a tall guy. And she goes, Oh, how tall are you? <laughs> We're like, Hey, he's like six, eight. Oh, <laughs> she was <laughs> petrified at first. Like, like she saw a dinosaur. <laughs> She, she was even more petrified when she started watching the game and then left. So I think yeah, she then left after cool. five minutes. <laughs> Can't blame her. Jeez. No. Uh, that's it for No Stupid Questions. Uh, tweet them at us at WLWPod is the show's Twitter handle. It's uh, a, a really good way to get a hold of us with your No Stupid Questions. We also prompt you guys for them uh, each day of the recording. And as always, you can email us at hello at wholelotofwolves.com. That is a wrap, loyal listeners, for this week. We're going to be back same time, same place, probably after another loss next week. So <laughs> let's just put that out there now, <laughs> unless something drastic happens. So who knows? We will be reviewing that Brentford game and then uh, a home game against Brighton. That's on November 5th. So will there be some fireworks on Guy Fawkes night at the Molyneux. We shall see. So in the meantime, uh, let's keep the faith and up the wolves. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded. So if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.